0: Church, go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue to talk about that wonderful name. I love it when we get the time to focus on Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. That's where our time together, that's what every day should be like it is to focus on Jesus. So our study today is going to come out of Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11. If you have it with you open up or to be on the screen for you. I want to continue in this time of worship. It says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by, be, by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself. Becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on the cross. Verse 9 For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Can we just sing about that? The name that is above every name. So, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Father, will you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you for those this amazing truth that you are Lord and you reign above all. And because of who you are and where you are, our trust and dependence is completely on you, Lord. And so, Father, today I pray that that this message is a message that would elevate us to, to greater faith, to greater understanding so that we may trust you fully and completely and we may walk out different than how we came in. Help us to grasp these beautiful and wonderful truths about Christ. Let it make its way into our hearts. Let it bring real transformation. Would you speak to so many people who are in this room today, those who need to grow, those who are on the edge, whoever it may be, Lord, let your spirit speak to them, move them, and guide them, and help them, give them what they need. This moment, Lord, this is all about you. Removing all of the, the past week out of the way. All the things that we encountered, we're, we're getting that all the way, and our eyes are fixed. majesty of who he is, his holiness and his goodness, just fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, good morning, Christ Church. That was dead. Good morning, Christ Church. There we go. Listen, it's the last nice Sunday of the year. We don't have any more good Sundays coming up, all right? I heard tomorrow is supposed to drop to like 25, 30 and supposed to be bad and whatnot. So I'm going to enjoy this day because of its weather. But it's glad to have you guys here with us. My name is Javon. I have to be one of the pastors here at the church to get the opportunity to lead and teach and preach here and there. And I want you guys to know that, man, we're so thankful to, to, to be able to serve you, to be able to be with you. And I'm really excited for this sermon series that we started last week. And the series is Mere Christianity. And the goal of this series and what we're trying to do within the next several weeks is really talk about Christianity at its core. Talk about the Christianity at its core. Why we believe what we believe, right? Just to give you tools, just to give you understanding of why we come here and we love Jesus. That's the whole premise of what we do. but. But we're not just doing that in our sermon series. We're actually going to be, we have many ways of how we can connect and grow. I want to point out our, our alpha team. Anybody part of alpha in the room? We're alpha? alpha people, our alpha class. I stopped in there yesterday. They had nothing bunk cakes. I love nothing bunk cakes. You know that manna from heaven that God gave Israelites? That was, you know that was nothing bunk cakes, right? No, this, this, this group, man, it's all centered around if you have serious questions about faith. And about God, because we have all have been there before, right? Nobody is excluded from the, from the fact. Some of us have had a, a, some doubts or some, some questions about Christianity and God and the church. Where guess what? Alpha is that place for you. Here's the one thing I want you to know. Many of us have questions. The problem is a lot of us don't get the questions out. A lot of us don't talk about faith. Hey, help me to understand this. Help me to understand that. I want you to know Alpha is a perfect spot for you if you're looking to grow, no matter where you are in your walk in faith. And that's what we're doing in this series, Mirror Christianity, because the goal of this series also, the immediate result is so that you may share your faith, right? You may share your faith. You know, Jesus said in himself that go out to all the nations, all the nations. That's where I live and where Chet lives and, you know, the, the big houses and everything and the gated fence and all that. You know, Jesus says go out to all nations and make what? Disciples. We're Christians, we're called to share our faith. And I want you to feel equipped and I want you to feel prepared to do that, so when people ask you about God, you know the steps and you know the tools that you need to pull out in order to do so. So we're going to continue that study in Philippians chapter two, verses five through eleven. I got a very heavy text. Thanks a lot, Beatler. Got a very heavy text today. I'm very excited for it, though. But before I get into that, I, I, as a youth pastor, I've had many of interesting encounters over the years. And when I say interesting encounters, I mean interesting. Some of them have made me laugh, scratch my head, and. A lot of moments, had, they made me cry. I'm just going to be honest with you. I remember this one time there was a student. It was after one of our worship services. And after the service, usually the students go into their, their small groups. But there was this one student who was off in the corner by himself. And even from a distance, we can see that he was distraught. We could see that he was hurt and frustrated and just he was just going through a lot. So uh, a leader and myself, we walked up to the student and we asked what was going on. And I kid you not, I remember him saying this. I actually had to call the leader to, to remind me what he said. He said, he said. he said, man, I love the worship. I love the message. I love this group. But everything you say about God, I don't see it in my life. You ever been there before? Where all of these great messages and you hear some great things and some great quotes and these music and God is good. But it somehow doesn't match up in your life. And that's clearly where he was at at that moment at that time. And right off the bat we can just say he was defining God based off his circumstances. He was defining God based off what he experienced. Based off what he saw. And I know a lot of us, if we can't be honest... We're tempted to do the very same thing. We think that our knowledge and our understanding of God is based off what we see. And I can tell you right now, friends, that, that there's only one place, and today I just want to be very frank and very basic and very clear. There's only one place we go to as Christians to truly define God. And it's not in our emotions. And I know we're living in a high emotion society right now. It's not in our emotions it's not in our experiences, it's not in who left us and who hurt us or any of that, but truth of the matter is this, our knowledge, our understanding of God is found in Christ. That's it. We don't look to anything else other than Christ, and that's the goal of this message series. So when you go out and you're out on Wolfie's, let's say you at Wolfie's getting them wings, Wolfie's wings. If you work at Wolfie's, God bless you in those wings. And somebody just walks up to you and says, tell me a little bit about God. I heard you're a Christian. Tell me about God. You would open up to the Gospels. You would point them to Jesus. Because I truly believe this. Anything outside of Christ that we try to define God won't land us in truth. Won't land us to where we actually need to be. But when we start with Jesus, we get to truth. And when we get to truth, we live truth. And that's the goal of what we're trying to do today. Here's here's, here's the heartbeat of... What I want to accomplish for today. See, the more we understand the person of Christ, the more we connect to the heart of God. You know God wants you to know his heart. God wants you to know who he is. God's not a God that just sits back. We're going to learn about it in a little bit. It just says like, all right, live life on your own. Do life on your own. No, God is wanting to, to show you who he is. And guess what? He does that. Through the person and the work of Christ. So today, it's all about Jesus. Today, every service is about Jesus. Let's just be honest. But today, we're going to talk heavy, heavy, heavy about Christ, defining Him, so that we may believe in Him, so that we may live Him, but also we may share Him. That's our that that's our whole goal of this whole entire text and in this message series, and which is why we're studying Philippians chapter two verses five through eleven. Now I will say this. Now I might be a little bit biased on this. Philippians 2 is probably the heaviest text in all of the Bible. I'm just going to say it right off the the bat. It's got a lot of theology. and Theology just means the study of God, how we come to understand God. It's got a lot of theologies, a lot of depth to it, but that's what we want to add to you. See, we don't want you to be shallow Christians. We want you to be Christians who have some depth to you. So you can walk out not just with a bunch of knowledge and you can knock everybody around with your theology or anything like that. But just so that when you run into moments like that young kid, you can jump to your theology. Can I tell you right now, what I know about God has helped me out so much in my life, especially when I've hit hard roads and hard moments in my life. Because I'm quick to just jump to the circumstance. But after some time, I didn't jump to the character of God. Listen, my flesh wants to jump to what I see, but therefore God gives me the faith to jump to who he is. In those moments. So that's what we want to do. We want to study Jesus closer and clearly today. So we're going to open up the Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to break it down for you guys. I just got a couple points. Chet said I got 75 minutes to preach, so we're good. Brace yourself in. The Browns don't play the later, so you're good, right? The Browns play today, right? I just want to make sure we're, we're good. We're good to go. So let's bring it back up, verse 5 in Philippians chapter 2. This is the words of the Apostle Paul writing to a church. And he starts off with this. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. If we have the ESV, it says, be of the same mind that is in Christ Jesus. Give a little context here. Paul previously just commanded the church to live in unity, right? The Christian faith is called to a community. And in this community, we're called to unity. We're called to live life and do life together. But then he goes even further. He says, not only are you called to unity, but in order to accomplish it, you must practice humility, right? Unity can't be fulfilled until humility is practiced. And therefore, he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. In order to practice it, here's your example, Jesus. But as we continue on and as we continue to study, he's going to say, hey, I want you to live like Christ. But first, you need to understand who Christ is. And that's where we get the rest of uh, verses 6-11. to And he says this, who existed in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I want to stop at the first part of verse 6. So it gives us this very, very clear truth about Jesus. There's one thing we must understand. There's one thing we cannot miss is that Jesus, and he says he existed and he's in the form of God. Now these two words, heighten The understanding of the reality and the nature of Christ. And what is he trying to say? He's trying to say Jesus always existed. Always existed. But then he also said he is the very essence of God. What's he getting at? Well, core belief number one that we must understand about Jesus, he's fully God. He's fully God. There's a lot of claims out there that says Jesus was just a good prophet. He was just a a, a moral teacher. He was the teacher of love, y'all. Whenever you needed some any wisdom, you just can go to Jesus. He was just the teacher of love and and all of these things. But he wasn't anything more than that. But truth of the matter is the gospels prove and show to us Jesus was more than just a rabbi. Jesus was more than just a teacher or prophet. Jesus himself is God. And that's the very nature and the very truth of who he is. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sufficient, the one who makes the sun rise and the sun fall, the one who knows the stars by name. Guess who that is? Jesus. And there's many times over and over in the New Testament where the authors want to point you to this very, very truth about the nature of Christ. And it wasn't something that they just made up. Because a lot of people will try to say that Christians just made it up. No, 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 no. Jesus himself claimed it and he proved it. How did he prove it? Through his miracles, but most importantly, through his resurrection. This is is the one thing we must understand. And Jesus gives us the reality of who God is. You know, I've heard a lot of assumptions about God, that God doesn't want us to have fun. Y'all do know Jesus went to parties, right? Jesus was electric sliding at the parties, you know. You know. I, I'm just, hey, am I right, Pastor? I mean, he, he went to parties. He hung out. That don't sound like a guy that wants to keep me from having fun. Jesus, listen, Jesus was patient. You ever, you ever heard of his disciples? They were a bunch of idiots. They were, they were dumb. There were times where Jesus would just do this remarkable, amazing miracle, and then next year, no, they're self-centered. They try to elevate themselves, which I do very much in my life. And you see, over the years and the span that Jesus was with them, he was patient. He was patient with them. He was compassionate. He was kind. He was was self-giving. He was relational. And friends, I want you to know, man, if you want the true reality of God, man, I want you to look no further than Jesus Christ. Who gives us the true nature of who God is. Why? Because he is God is God and he has come to us to reveal to us the very nature and the very truth of who he is. But also, let's, let's go a little further about this. If Jesus is God, that means this. And I need you to hear this and it might sound convicting but I love you anyway. If Jesus is God, then there's no such thing as part-time Christianity. He's, he's, if he is who he is, then guess what? Our response should be worship. Our response should be Adoration. Our response would be love. See, as Lewis would actually say in his book, he said there was three ways of how we can understand the claims that Jesus made about being God. Either he's a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And how do you respond today? Who's Christ to you today? Is Christ just the, the, the guy that gives you a good feeling whenever you're sad? Is is he the person that that just helps you out whenever you're in a bad moment, or is he Lord of your life? There's only one response. And you can see that clearly in the Gospels. Listen, there was three ways people responded to Jesus. Either they ran from him, they tried to kill him, or they bowed down and they worshiped him. There's no in between. There's one way, there's one response to Jesus as we understand his claim as Lord. And as God above all. But Paul takes it a step further. Paul says, listen, he is in the form of God. He is the essence of God. He existed always with God and the Father and the Spirit. Don't worry, I'm I'm not going to do the Trinity today because that's too much. Try to do that next week. All that stuff. He he, he claims all of that. He has been there before. He never stopped being God. He always was God. But guess what he did, y'all? Guess what the amazing truth about God? He became like us. He became like you and I. This amazing mystery about Christianity that a lot of us miss. Jesus was sitting in the splendor of heaven in all of its majesty, in all of its perfection, in all of its glory. And he came to you. Who is not glorious. (laughs) Who has a lot of imperfection. He broke the cosmos. He broke through the cosmos. He, he came down onto earth. So the one thing we must truly understand, and this is core belief number two, Jesus is not only fully God, but he's also fully man. Now this is, this is very interesting. I understand this can get a little bit weird, and it takes more than just a 30, 40-minute sermon to fully understand this completely. It has taken years and years and years of scholars to even try to figure this out. But there's one thing that's very clear is that Jesus proved he was God, But he also became man as well. This is the beautiful truth of the nature and the reality of Christ. And I need you to understand there is importance of him becoming like us. And the amazing truth about this, the Christian faith, is that, man, many other religions, they'll say, man, you got to do this just to get God's attention. They say, hey... You got to work hard. You got to memorize this. You got to go to church this many times. You got to do this and do that. But Christianity flips all of that on its head. And you know what Christianity says? It's not you go to God, but rather God comes to you. God comes to knock on your door to get you to turn. It's not us doing all this and that in the third and trying to even just get God to notice us. No, God has already noticed us and he came down to us to be just like us, to deliver, redeem, restore, reconcile us to the things and how life was intended to be to begin with. This is the beauty of Christianity. This is what makes it so unique above all is that God noticed you and God came Came as a man, how beautiful is that? How, how beautiful that, 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 that truth is to us. As I said before, Jesus came didn't demonstrate what the human experience was intended to be. He wanted to model to us. You got to look at the life of Jesus. He wanted to model to you and I what it looked like to live trusting in the Father. To live trusting in God, free from anxiety. There were moments where Jesus was anxious. There were were moments where Jesus was afraid. There there were moments of all of that. But at the end of the day, he came to show you and I what it looks like to walk with God. What it looks like to be dependent and and, and to trust in him fully and completely. So Jesus became a man and if Jesus became like you, that means he understands you. That means he understands you. You ever been betrayed? You ever been stabbed in the back? You ever had somebody promise you they won't do something, but they end up doing it anyway? You know Jesus went through that too? You ever been lonely? Felt like you've been forgotten? Felt like, felt, felt like man, people have, have, have looked over you? Jesus went through the same thing. You, you ever, you ever struggled with temptation? And have moments where you don't want to give in to the thing that you know is, it's hurtful and it's hard and it's difficult. And, and, and you don't want to do it, but you end up doing it anyway. And, and all of that, guess what? Our Lord Jesus was tempted like you and I. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but yet he was without sin. He was tempted in every way. Jesus became a man. This means he understands you. Listen, there's never a moment in your life where, where, where God doesn't understand what you're going through. Where God hasn't been where you've been. You ever, ever had somebody face death? Christ Jesus himself died. Christ Jesus himself died. And he himself had people that he loved die as well too. There's never a moment where Christ doesn't understand us. Number three, this is probably uh, 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 one of my favorite ones. He modeled what suffering looks like. He modeled what suffering looked like. Listen, Jesus didn't come. To remove the reality of suffering, but rather he came to give you and I endurance in our suffering. So so you and I won't be people who just easily quit and seek comfort all the time. So that you and I would know that all that we go through, there is a purpose, there is glory, there is all of this happening to us. But it's not just happening to us, it's happening for the good and the glory of God in all of this. Jesus taught us how to suffer patiently. Jesus taught us how to suffer obediently. Jesus taught us how to suffer waiting and anticipating glory from God the Father, knowing that at the end of the day, all this is for something. And there's something greater waiting ahead of me in the end. He taught us how to. Jesus, listen, y'all, God himself, he had family that didn't understand him, that rejected him. They threw rocks at my man. Jesus taught, taught, teaches us how to stay committed to the will of God. So that's one thing we truly got to understand. One thing we truly got to connect to is that God is, that, that Jesus is fully man and fully God, and that's what we need. And, and, and I noticed this, and this is the one thing I want to say that's the last point. Christ became like us in order that we would become like him. This is very true. This is, this is the very true. Christ became... Christ became man so that we can look more like him. So we can stop looking like our brokenness. So we can stop looking like our past. So we can stop looking like all the... And Christ came to give us newness, give us restoration, give us a whole new identity, which is only found in him. That's why he came. But also, Paul continues to go on. Man, now, I want you to know that. Paul, notice that Paul started Jesus, God, man servant, but then he went to death. This is the route that God, the lengths that God went to for you. You see, you see that? He was in heaven and he came and he served and he didn't come boisterous or, 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 or trying to take down nations. No, he came as a servant and he became so obedient to the point of death and death of the cross. Next point, we got to understand, and this is the true reality that, man, and this is probably one of the most important ones. Christ died and Christ was raised. This is the true reality of Christianity. If we cannot get to this point, if we cannot clear this up, then our faith is meaningless. The Bible says if Christ had not raised, if if Christ had not been risen, then we're still stuck in our sins. But the truth of the reality is that as Jesus came down, he was a man on a mission. And what was his mission? To give life by giving up his own. To give life and by giving up his own and by, to remove sin and to satisfy divine justice and do all of these beautiful, amazing things. Jesus came with one mission. And what was that mission? To die. To die. But more importantly, he rose. Now, there's been a lot of people that will say that, man, the, re- the resurrection of Christ never happened. There's been a lot of claims and a lot of skeptics that would try to argue this. See, a lot of people, they won't deny that Jesus existed, but they have a hard time understanding the truth of resurrection and what it means and and what it does. But friends, I want you to understand that that, 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 that the the story of resurrection, the story of the cross is this, it's the measure of God's love for you and I. The story of the cross, the story of Christ ri- rising from the dead, it is the measure of God's love for you and I. I love that John Stott's uh, famous quote that he says in, in his book, Cross of Christ. He says, with the darkness came silence, for no eye should see, no lips could tell, the agonies of, of soul which the spotless Lamb of God endured. The accumulated sins of the whole world and of all of history were laid upon him. Voluntarily he showed it full responsibility for them, responsibility for them. And then he desolate the spiritual abandonment that the woeful cry was wrung from his lips, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that moment, God the Father turned his back on his beloved son. Christ tasted hell for us. That is how much God loves you. You know there's gonna be moments in your life where you ask yourself, does God love me? And most of the reason why you ask that question is because you're going to look at your circumstances. You're going to look at your situations. You're going to look at all the things that you're going through. And you're going to say, how can God love me if I'm here right now? How can God love me if I'm going through this? How can God care for me if if I'm experiencing this in my life? Well, the cross easily tells us and reminds us and shows us the great love of God for you and I. And here's the thing. He loved you first. We love because he first loved us. The cross is this this beautiful truth of the measure of God's care for you and I. And Christ shouldered, I love how it says Christ shouldered all of it for you. All of it for you. Doesn't that make you just want to worship God more? Doesn't that make you just want to just say, you know what, God, you've given me everything, so I'm giving you everything. And you gave me your son. And you didn't even spare, listen, listen, you gave me your son, and, and, and all you ask of me is to give you my pride. All you ask of me is to give you my, my selfishness. Or are you at, but you gave me something infinitely greater and better that I can never match, and never amount to. Makes me realize God's love is true. God's love is found only in the personhood. Of Christ I want to also give you just a, a couple ways to understand resurrection a little bit because again people will try to challenge this this idea challenge this truth now here's what these, these these fundamental evidence of, uh, of, of, of of resurrection they're meant to help you understand from the point of view of, uh, of eyewitness testimony right now here's what I want you to know that these these evidence aren't something we can just say hey this is just what it is and this is how it is and you know, nobody can refute these, but I do want you to know they're helpful starting points for us to truly understand. And we start with the eyewitness testimony. See, I need you to understand this. The Gospels that are written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the Gospels that are written, these guys, when they were writing their accounts, they weren't writing the Bible. You do know that, right? This, let me hope let me you understand this. Mark, Matthew, and John didn't call each other and say, hey... We got, the, we, got, we got our agenda, we got to write the Bible, da-da-da-da. We got a deadline, we got to get everybody ready. To get, no, 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 no. They were writing individual accounts of what they saw and what some of them witnessed. So to them, they weren't writing the Bible, they were writing what they experienced. They were writing what they were experiencing at that moment at that time. So whenever we analyze the gospel, so whenever we we see this, we have to truly understand that, man, this is John's way of understanding the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ. But also uh, another one that can really be helpful is the embarrassing testimonies. Listen, y'all, these, this is probably one of the coolest ones. If you're writing down, people try to say that the gospels are fake. Now, if the gospels are fake... (laughs) then these guys wouldn't have included embarrassing moments in their lives. These were men who wrote about all of their failures. Now if I was writing something and I wanted to, to, to look good, I would write about all my highlights, all my good moments, all the moments where I got it right and Jesus was bowing down to me and Jesus loved me and did all this. But these guys wrote about all of their failures. Mark who was writing on behalf of Peter, Wrote about when Peter, Peter turned his back on Christ. I don't know about you, but I would leave that out. But they said it was an important part because it was, it was what happened at that moment. When, when, when Jesus had risen and the ladies were, 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 were at the tomb and they, they saw that he had risen, where were the disciples? Hiding. Scared. In a room by themselves. We have embarrassing testimonies that tell us about the, the credibility of the resurrection. Number three, we have excruciating testimony. Listen, if they, if, if, if what they did was, if, if they made up this whole story about Jesus, they went through great lengths. And they decided to die for this cause. They decided to die for this cause. And this is, this is something that's pretty amazing because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be willing to die for a lie. I don't know about you. I wouldn't be willing to die for a lie. Like, I'll, I'll lie to a point, but if you put, some, put something to my neck, I'm going to be like, all right, I take it back, I take it back, I take it back, rebuttal, rebuttal. Like, just, I made it all up, I was just lying. But these guys were willing to die for their faith because they said, hey, we saw Jesus die lifeless, and we saw him as well, with breath in his lungs. We saw the resurrection. We're resurrected, Lord and Savior. Also, we have expected testimony. This one is a very simple one. This talks about the Old Testament, how the Old Testament prophesied all about Jesus. Then number five, we have extra biblical testimony. This one is really interesting because some people always say, like, what are other sources outside of the Bible that talk about Jesus? people always want to know about that. Hey, I understand you guys say, hey, the Bible says this, but is there any other sources outside of it? And we have a total of ten uh, extra-biblical sources that talk about Jesus and his apostles and, and the growth of the church. We, we, we have them. And people will try to say, well, it's only you only have the Bible to support you. No, there is other things and other documents that really support the resurrection of Christ and the gospel's credibility. So let's end with this last point. This last point, he says that, that at the name of Jesus, he said, He says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess. It's a very interesting part on this passage. Because as Jesus left the throne, went into the grave, he went back to the throne. Took his rightful spot. And it speaks of this very nature and this very truth. That one day, Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back. Christ is returning. And when he returns, this passage tells us, hey, listen, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. At one moment in life, whether the Christian for the last 40 years or the skeptic, they're going to have to get to the point where they just acknowledge the very nature and the very truth that Jesus is Lord. I don't know about you, but I would rather bow willingly than forcefully. I don't know about you. I would rather say, you know what, if he is who he is, I'm going to bow because I believe and I know it's all to be true. Christ is reigning and ruling, but most important, he's returning as well. Now, don't be those Christians that say, you know, oh, Christ is returning the next uh, uh, presidential uh, election. Don't do that. Please, don't be those Christians that just are weird, you know. Don't be that weird Christian, you know. Trump's back in office. That means Christ is coming. Shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. We don't know when he's returning, but I do know that Jesus says, be prepared. Keep your lamps lit. Keep your lamps lit and be ready for my return. Because at that moment, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Friends, this is the core understanding of what we realize and what we know about Christianity. I know this is a different speed. And I realize this isn't like the, the message that is rah-rah and all exciting. But we want you guys to have depth. We want you guys to have knowledge. We want you guys to have understanding so that you can walk out. Can I tell you right now, this is the exciting moments when we grow and we mature and we understand the very nature of why we believe what we believe. So I want you to be encouraged by that, and I want you to know that, man, these very things are meant to equip us but also prepare us to share our faith when the time is needed. Let's say a prayer. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the nature and the reality of who he truly is. And Lord, I pray that that this message would, would, would gravitate to a place where We're we're, we're gaining more understanding, but also we're allowing our understanding to make its way into the way that we live and and how we treat one another and how we react and respond in in, in moments in our lives, Lord. I pray that that this message and your word would do that very thing, Lord. But, Lord, I do want to acknowledge the majesty of Jesus for one more moment. The greatness of Christ. Who was in the form of God very essence of God he came and became a man and he became a man to show humanity what it looked like to, to live in obedience and humility to the Father but also not only did he came and come and became a man but he also died a death that I deserve death that was supposed to be me supposed to be us but he shouldered all of the world's inequity. So, Lord, this just makes me just posture my heart and just thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the for the for the work that He's done and He has completed and He has fulfilled. I thank you for all of this beauty and all of this that is uh, amazing about Him. And Lord, I pray that that I would never forget that. I pray that my, my heart would always be reminded of the great work and the great lengths you went to for us. I pray that I can have that sense of urgency in my life. I pray that I never forget that. I pray that that there are moments where, where, I, where I'm veering to the left or veering to the right, it is your word and it is your spirit that is directing me to keep straight and focus on the work and the beauty of who Jesus is. We love you in your son's perfect name is who we pray.